Welcome to Side Effects with an A. When effect is normally used, it's a noun. It's already occurred. Effect is a verb meaning action. Action influences outcomes. I'm Scott McGowan. And I'm Anne-Marie Singleton. We will provoke you to think differently. Side Effects, where problems are defined, solutions exposed. Welcome to Side Effects. I'm Scott McGowan. And I'm Anne-Marie Singleton. We have a great guest with us here today, good friend of mine, Jay Meyer. I'll, I'll say a couple things about you. Number one, uh, amazing leader, uh, author, uh, and leadership coach. Uh, probably even more importantly than that is uh, father uh, and uh, husband and a real gift to our community. So thanks for, uh, thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Yeah. So a little bit about, so, so that's a lot of information about Jay Meyer, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe just a little bit about, hey, what, why, did, why did leadership and passion and, and all your, your, your gifts back to the community, um, where did, where did that, all that start? Well, I, um, I was just having a conversation with my daughter the other day. She's 29, and um, she has this opportunity presented to her of, of possibly running a small business. And she's like, Dad, you know, what do I do? And, and I said, haven't you always pictured yourself leading? And she goes, well, yeah. And I said, well, not everybody sits around and does that and, and sees themselves in a leadership role. I said, we, we need good leaders, we need good followers. And I said, you know, ever since I was little, I always kind of saw myself in the lead role wasn't until I got a little bit older that I realized there's responsibility that comes with that. <laughs> right. It's, it's one thing to say, hey, let's go. It's yeah. another thing to know where you're going and, and uh, garner the support of others through influence and so on and so forth. So um, I think I was one of those people that was born as a leader. I don't believe that, uh, you know, the myth that you can't lead unless you're born that way. I think people can learn how to lead. But some um, people definitely have natural tendencies towards that. Yeah. So, and you've done quite a few things with that leadership. Maybe give a little background on some of the, the things that you've done. Yeah. Well, I, uh, it, it, it started in my athletic career. So I played uh, high school basketball, college basketball, and um, never saw a shot I didn't like, you know. So I was like this. this uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and I was captain of both teams, um, and we enjoyed a lot of uh, success in those years. And then um, went to work uh, at a corner drugstore in downtown Covington, Ohio. And um, luckily the owner saw my leadership qualities and over a period of time we, we created a partnership uh, where uh, I kind of could lead the growth of the business. And then... Um, so pharmacist by trade. Right. Yes. And then, then you we, sold that, right? Yeah, we, we um, grew that into a pretty nice uh, nursing home pharmacy. Um, actually sold, and I had new majority owners that, that I partnered with um, and grew it some more uh, over a seven-year period. And actually, we were fortunate enough again to uh, go through an acquisition um, and sell. Um, and then um, I started having this itch to, to move on. Uh, it's kind of like waking up one day and, and saying, do I want to do this the rest of my life? Because I was in a leadership role, I mean, I was loving it, uh, enjoy healthcare, very passionate about it. Um, but it's like, what, what really jacked me up um, 
at the pharmacy was once a month I would have these leadership meetings with everybody that worked there. And we'd have six one-hour meetings uh, around the clock because we were 24-7. And uh, it was mandatory, and people would come, and I'd give them an update on the company, and then we would do leadership training because I always feel like everyone can lead from where they sat. And uh, I would get all jacked up that day. So it's like, I want to do something when I walk away from this business that will allow me to feel that same passion. And that led me to working, doing work at Aileron. I do my own stuff today and, and helping clients and coach clients. Well, one of the things that uh, before, we, before we even started, uh, and I've known Jay for a long time, and one of the greatest gifts uh, in my friendship with Jay is just his ability to be uh, vulnerable. So what we're going to talk about uh, is, um, is, is an issue that's going on in our country, it's going on in our state. Uh, unfortunately, it's going on in our city, and it, it is an absolute epidemic, and it's around the issue of um, opioid uh, overdoses. And society has a really hard time figuring that out and unpacking that. And one of the things I love about you is uh, you're not, you're not afraid to tell your story. And so what that means to you personally, what that means to people that come into your life. Uh, and um, so why don't, why, don't we, why don't you just kind of tell us maybe where that manifested itself and where you are now and maybe how you can help our listeners, maybe help them understand what this epidemic is and what it's all about. Yeah, it's, it's, um, <clears throat> it's not really easy to encapsulate this epidemic in, in a few minutes, but uh, personally uh, what happened to me was uh, I can still remember the very first time I took an opiate, I had uh, knee surgery when I was 17 years old. It was emergency knee surgery from basketball. And um, after the surgery, they started giving me Tylenol with codeine. Right. And um, I just immediately felt good. It was like, whoa, th- this is good. Now, I, I was at the beginning stages of what I probably was going to become an alcoholic. I can't say that for certain. But I, at that point, um, I didn't drink often. But when I drank, I drank to get drunk. Mm-hmm. I wasn't one to drink only one or two beers. It was to get the high. And, um, so anyway, one thing leads to another. Well, I end up going That's off to pharmacy, pharmacy school. school. Right. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like I'm going to, I decided, hey, I'm going to become a pharmacist so I can steal opiates. That was not the case. Um, it, what happened was I never forgot that feeling. And that's one thing you'll find with, a, with an opiate addict. You never forget that first high. I never forgot that feeling. And when life got a little um, challenging for me, I just remember going to the uh, shelf in the pharmacy and, and popping a pill, a pain pill. Um, and I, I struggled with migraine headaches back then. And I often think they were migraine headaches that were made up because, you know, I ended up taking the pills to not have migraines. Right. And I, and, uh, or if I had aches and pains. And, and so what started out as a bad habit uh, turned into an addiction, uh, which ended up turning me into a, a liar, um, a thief, a cheat. Um, I became someone I didn't want to be. And... Um, the uh, road to my bottom, I mean, it happened over a five-year period, but I went from this person who was a leader, who was very athletic, 
uh, people looked up to to this person who no longer wanted to live, you know, and, and that that was so. So what I see going on today, um, fast forward thirty years, I've been right. sober for thirty years. Congratulations! All, uh, thanks, thanks. Um, all my business success came after I got sober. Um, I was at that little corner drugstore stealing from that owner who gave me a second chance and made me his partner and that that's that's a part of the story that people need to hear that when you wonder about giving somebody a second chance um, because my life sober um, I've been able to touch a lot of people and help a lot of people but uh, what's happened to me recently and it probably is about three four years ago when I started reading the articles about people ODing and dying and the shift from pills to heroin because the pills aren't right, as available. Um, it's like, man, I got somehow I need to do something. And I'd already started a recovery service at Gingersburg Church mm-hmm. back in 2005. Scott, you know about that, and 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 we, um, it, it was it's really good. It's still going on today, but it's I stepped away from that two years ago, and I thought there, there's something else. Well, it's I like to write. So I started writing this book of my journey through opiate addiction, uh, not in any way to glorify me, but to give it to that mom, that dad, that addict, the brother, the sister, the person that's like, we call it step zero. Uh, There's 12 steps in recovery. Uh, The first step is admitting you're powerless and your life's unmanageable, but step zero is what the heck's wrong with me? Right. Well, what the heck's wrong with my son? Why can't he stop? Um, so I just chronicalized this this story, and I'm about a third of the way through it. I uh, hope to have the book done by the end of the year. To um, and I've written two other books, and and I always take all proceeds from any books that I write and give them back to recovery uh, oriented mission works. Well, you know, one of the things, um, you know, obviously there there's a stigma. You know, with this conversation, whether whether it be alcoholism or or, or addicts, and uh, and it's hard. And I'm really passionate about this subject, and I worked at, work uh, with people at uh, at Southbrook. Um, and so, first of all, um, thanks for being vulnerable enough to uh, to share because you're you're enormously successful. And we were talking about this a little bit around. Um, uh, I think what a lot of people don't understand is unless they're an addict, they're not going to understand. So if you don't understand it, be grateful you don't. Right. Uh, and the bottom can be a beautiful place to be as long as you know you're there because you've got two options. You can climb or, unfortunately, uh, you, can, you can dig. So when we talk about this, this, this issue of opioids, so a lot of it comes through pain uh, you know, medication. And a lot of it comes to our youth. Uh, because of sports. Right. It starts out because they've been written a prescription that they mm-hmm. needed at the time, but they had that feeling that you had, mm-hmm. and they remembered it. And yeah, and what a lot of people really, I, I think, need to understand, I mean, one is we're probably going to lose about 800 people in Montgomery County to, uh, to overdose in 2017. We might lose 60,000 people in the United States this year to overdose. Uh, and... Uh, whether it be uh, opioid abuse or uh, or heroin overdose, I mean, it is an absolute uh, epidemic in our country, and unfortunately, uh, Montgomery County, where we are, is one of the leading counties um, in the United States. 
And so what's complicated around that is, you know, those people with great big hearts want to want, want to try to fix it from their understanding, which is which is good and uh, and, and it's moral, but it's it's deeper than that. It's a bigger issue. Yeah, yeah. And, and even just to piggyback on that, Scott. I mean, I, we were having a conversation before we started. I don't I don't even know where to start or what to say or what to do, and so I direct most of my attention to my kids who are 15 years old and, you know, trying to educate them and talk to them. And, you know, I'm probably going about that wrong too, because I'm showing them the articles about, you know, look what happened to this person they used one time and now they're, they're dead, like don't use. And, you know, that's probably not the right way to talk to them either. And so what, what can people do? I think one of the issues that, that I think is important to say is the fact that I, I don't think anyone wakes up out of bed and says, you know what, I, you know, I, I think, I think I'm going to put heroin in my body. I think I'm going to stick a needle in my arm. I, right. So I think people need to understand that. I think what people need to understand is the progression of that. So it manifests itself in uh, in self-worth and in pain. Pain. And we live in this world of social media. So am I good enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I smart enough? Do people like me? Um, do they not like me? Uh, and, and society, and especially younger people, fight with that. So then they're given a prescription drug that tells them, their brain, that chemical tells them something that's amazing. It's euphoric. Right, you feel great. You're and they amazing. feel something, and chemically something happens in the brain. And unfortunately, this is, this is what happens. So I get a prescription drug, I like it, uh, I want more of it, I can't get it, so maybe I look in mom's medicine cabinet, I go to grandma's medicine cabinet, I go to my friends, my neighbors, and then I start stealing uh, stuff out of my house to buy more. And then all of a sudden, that just becomes really complicated in my life and way too expensive because heroin is cheap. That's the problem. I don't think anyone says, hey, do you want to you try some heroin and thinks about putting that needle in their arm first time. Right. Um, it is a slow progression, and unfortunately, it is, it is a slow drop to the bottom and and you know what I'm interested in is I mean you had access so a lot of these people have an access issue like Scott was saying and they do things to to get it I mean and you you said I I took it from this this pharmacy that I worked at but you had an access problem how did you how did you wake up how did you know how did you get help Um, yeah um, in the beginning I can remember a moment when it's like, oh my Lord, I'm addicted. Because I was, um, in, I had moved over to cough syrups, which had alcohol, Sudafed, which is a stimulant, it's like speed, mm-hmm. and the hydrocodone. Uh, so I was getting this perfect blend, and I was finding myself, um, at first at bedtime, always having to take that to, to be able to just kind of chill out and fall asleep and enjoy that euphoric effect. So I had this, oh my Lord, I'm an, I'm an addict thought early on, but I'm also a pharmacist and I'm also stealing it, okay? Which means I'm in trouble. So I gotta whip this on my own. So I roll up my sleeves and I said, I, there's nothing I've ever not been able to whip. Like I said, I'm a jock, I'm a leader. I got more willpower than the average human being. Um, so I decided to, to go cold turkey. How'd that work for you? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and, I'll, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you today, one, one of the primary reasons people, if, if you go through withdrawal one time and you relapse, you don't want to go through withdrawal again. 
because I didn't know what I was about to face when I decided I'm going cold turkey. Oh, wow. That's super honest. Withdrawal yeah. is, is the flu tenfold, hundredfold. <sighs> so I got through that, but uh, I, I can remember like it happened yesterday. It was in 1984, and um, I was playing basketball, and we won a big game, and I was feeling good, and went to the bar with the guys afterwards. Of course, at that point, I had no education that uh, alcohol would trip a, a switch to lead me back to my drug of choice. Um, had a couple beers, and next thing I know, I'm back up at the pharmacy that night getting my fix in, and I'm back to the races. Well, now, every time the thought goes through my mind, I gotta stop, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to take a month off. Right. Yeah. Because you're non-functional. Wow. It's mental, it's physical. That's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that really, that really. So when we talk about, so we've got um, customers out there that obviously we read about it, um, we're, uh, we hear a lot about this. Uh, and, you know, so we have a lot of data. So the number of prescription drugs that a customer might come in uh, in touch with as we do data analytics and look at that. Um, but that's just identifying, do I have a problem? Right. When we look at controlled substances and scripts by, by patient, we can see, and then we can normally match it up with your inpatient rehab. Um, we can start to see it, right? Yeah. So do I have a problem? Yeah, I do. Now what? And I think one of the issues, too, is, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, too, is the fact that um, do we have a drug distribution problem? Or do we have a drug use problem? This is just my personal opinion. Drug distribution means more jails, more more crime. Um, you know, basically just stiffer fines. But it, it it's probably not the real issue. The real real issue is drug use, which is so pain. And in the history of healthcare, what we've really shed from our healthcare system is access to mental health uh, and substance abuse treatment. Mm -hmm. um, so even if my you know my tail's fallen off and I'm lost. One is, do I have access to it, which is uh, tough, it's difficult. Do I have coverage for it, which is also very difficult. And then the third thing, and you brought this up, is like, I'm just afraid to say that. Like, you know, I think from, from our eyes, I could say, well, I'm overweight, right? I right. get that. But what human being wants to say, I think I'm an addict? Right, right? and so I, you try to fix it yourself yeah. without help. And then they just hide. So. What, have you seen other employers address this in a different way? Maybe talking to their workforce a different way or talking to people in a different way? Yeah, I, I, I haven't personally, but I um, spoke about my problem with my employees when I, I, I did the monthly meetings with them in, in, during a leadership because um, basically my, my um, word to them was don't give up you know I, I was at rock bottom um, wanting to die and um, because of my belief in a power greater than me and because of tools I was given and I listened I, I was able to dig myself out uh, so I haven't seen other companies but I will say this you know, I think Amber you asked me about um, how I got help because right. I was trying to do it on my own well uh, my wife who's very wise, she knew something wasn't right. Now this is like a five year period of progression getting worse and worse and worse. And I won't go into the details of this whole mess, but uh, she put together an intervention team. And I came home from work one day and there sits these four people 
and it was the boss that I was ripping off, it was my brother, it was my wife, and it was a guy who was five years sober from drugs and alcohol that I used to laugh at and make fun of mm-hmm. as the town drunk, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Uh, so this guy's sitting in my living room, and it took them three hours to convince me to go to treatment. I mean, I went nuts on them. I put my fist through the bathroom door. I was so angry at them. But denial is what kills us. It's not the drug because we just don't want to admit it. So I went to treatment and I listened. Went to treatment for five weeks, then I went inpatient, Mm -hmm. then I went to intensive outpatient for six months. Well, I also had the DEA now at this point because my boss, it's a felony to not report a felony. Right. Um, So I'm doing urine screens at least once a week randomly for like two or three years. but that treatment that was given to me because I had insurance coverage uh, is why I'm here today. Oh, wow. And that's the problem we have mm-hmm. today is um, if, if, somebody diagno- if somebody diagnoses me with cancer, mm-hmm. and I, I think there's like four stages, one, two, three, and four. Right. Um, the health system pretty much knows this, this is what we need to do. Okay? And there's a protocol. Yeah. With addiction, I consider opiate, opiate addiction a stage four addiction. Yeah, it's it the most aggressive treatment. Right. But today, it's just go to detox, yeah. do some outpatient, yeah. and it's just, you know, there's, there's no continuum of care. And, and speed to care and access to care is right. really, really hard to get right. to. Yeah, really hard to get to. So when we talk about even, you know, to our customers and our listeners, you know, one of the things, too, especially for, um, you know, for, for young children uh, and or students, you know, there are so many people that start off because they had an injury or an accident. So just because a physician prescribes a medication doesn't mean you shouldn't have a conversation with your physician about that medication. Right. So better understanding. So right now they're suing the drug manufacturers on this because of this epidemic. Right, and bl- blaming them basically for starting it. Yeah, they own their own side of the street, and they're, they're probably they're part of the issue, but they're not the problem. Um, you know, fining and going after drug manufacturers for this issue um, isn't it's really— It's not going to s- solve it. It's not going to solve it. They're certainly responsible for part of it. Um, education is part of that, uh, too. Uh, and then— Access to mental health is also really, really important. Right. And I think, you know, for, for employers, because I know uh, oftentimes that we've got employers listening, and hopefully this helps you personally. I think everybody has been touched by someone they know, um, someone who's a family member or someone that they work with who's had someone facing opioid addiction or alcohol addiction, and they, they want to know, what can I do to help? And I think support, um, talking to someone, listening, um, encouragement, which you received, and knowing that there's there's hope, right? Um, for employers, I mean, w- w- you know, we're not we're just at the beginning of this. I think in terms of are we doing workplace education? Is it is there a place for that? How do we do it? Because it is going to impact your workforce. I'm sure it already has in hiring and even maybe maintaining long term employees. It can come from anywhere. It's that. Everyone has a different feeling when they take an opioid. Some people aren't affected it in a way that that others are immediately. And I think that everyone should just be aware of it. Yeah, and the, the great reference point, one of the reasons, one is um, thanks for being here. 
Secondly, thanks for being vulnerable and sharing this story. Because I think one of the reasons why we wanted to bring you on, one is, I mean, you're uh, enormously successful. Uh, you're an author. Uh, you've done a lot of great things in your life. And you had this epic battle 30 years ago. Right. So to our listeners, um, one is, uh, you're telling this story. It's a 30-year-old story. But that story is happening today right down the street. Could be your son. Could be your daughter. Could be your wife. Could be your sister. Could be you. And um, what's what's amazing about recovery and the gift of that is the restoration and the redemption through people that have said, yeah, like I made a mistake, uh, epic failure, but it didn't beat me. It didn't have to beat me. Right. Uh, and it's available. If you're just willing to just give up and just say, like, I'm out, like tap out, like I, I just surrender to this. So, um, Jay, thanks for being here. Thanks I appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate you sharing your appreciate story. It. We do. More importantly, thanks for being a great friend. Yeah. So uh, we'll put some uh, facts and figures on around the opioid uh, issues here in Ohio. We're addressing those. The pharmaceutical industry is starting to touch on this and do some really strategic things. Um, counties, city government, churches, there is help available. Right. Uh, is it all in one place? No. But there is a lot of help, and uh, as Ann said too, I mean a lot of people that care about solving this big issue. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Side Effects. Thanks for listening and opening your mind. If you're interested in learning more, you can reach us at scott at healthierbirthdays.com. Or Ann at healthierbirthdays.com. We hope you'll join us next time on on Side Side Effects. Effects.